So what would the Damien sitting inside at a data center right now tell the 19-year-old Damien sitting on that rocky boat over to Cancun? Oh, my God. Um, Keep at it. You're going to make it. Just keep doing you and don't let circumstances define what you can become. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that question hit the spot. <laughs> <laughs> this is Where the Internet Lives, a show about the unseen world of data centers and the people who keep them running. I'm Stephanie Wong, and I'm your guide through the physical spaces that make up the internet. This season, we're exploring those spaces alongside the folks who actually design, build, and operate them. People like Damian Diaz. Damian is a facilities technician at Google's data center in New Albany, Ohio. He's part of a team called DC Ops, or Data Center Operations. We monitor the infrastructure to provide power, cooling to the machines. That's where the internet lives. <laughs> Data centers aren't just warehouses full of computers. They also contain power plants, water treatment facilities, giant cooling systems that keep the machines at the right temperature. And those systems don't work without instruments and controls. If you're thinking about your thermostat, well, that thermostat has a sensor. That sensor needs to be calibrated to be given the right outputs. So my job is to make sure those sensors are functioning properly. It's like different little pieces of a big puzzle. Damien grew up a tinkerer. It wasn't just a skill he was born with. It was something he was forced to develop as a kid in Cuba. I do remember not seeing my father for long periods of time because there was pretty much nothing to eat. He will come home with a sack of potatoes or sweet potatoes or whatever he could find. And that's why we had to eat for a week. And that would never, I would never forget that. The early 1990s were a period of extreme economic turmoil in Cuba. The collapse of the Soviet Union disrupted trading agreements. Imports shrunk by 80%. Cuba's economy sunk into a deep depression. Everything, food, energy, clothing, toys was rationed. So we have to make our own toys play sports. We need a bat. So how do we come up with a bat? There is no store to go out and buy a bat. We have to make our own. And what do we make a baseball out of? You know, we have to get a sock and put a rock in there and wrap it up in tape, if we can find some. (laughs) (laughs) But how did that early need to be creative influence you later in life? Did it teach you to have to adapt to tough circumstances? Absolutely. Making things out of nothing. For example, taking radios apart and checking the circuitries and electronic components. And all that gave us a sense of, okay, this item could be used for something else and know what it was intended originally for. So there was always a piece of engineering since we were kids growing up. What are things we can use this for? As Damien got older, that fun and creativity faded. The reality of his economic limitations hit him. His job options were slim. So that kind of led me to the decision where this country is not going to allow me to fulfill what I want to do for my life. 
In technical school, Damien studied instrumentation and control systems. He wanted to spin that into a career in manufacturing. To make that happen, he'd have to look elsewhere. I felt determined to pursue what I wanted to pursue. And that was coming to the United States, where we were given political asylum and the opportunity to stay legally in this country. To pay for the journey, Damien had to be resourceful. His years tinkering around with radios helped tap into a potential source of cash. People on the island wanted to hear the latest music coming out of Miami. So he fixed up old radios to help capture American airwaves. And we were able to tune in the radio frequencies and start selling them. Two years doing this type of job, I was able to save up $15,000. The hardest part was not spending the money where my family could have used it and I could have used it and anybody around me could have used it, but I had to save it in order to get out. And that's exactly what he did. Damien bought a seat on a boat to Cancun, Mexico. I'm thinking of a 42-feet boat, the biggest yacht I've ever seen, right? (laughs) But when you put in there 87 more people and everybody's cramped up, And the smell was pretty funny. Everybody was throwing up. And at night in the Gulf of Mexico, everything was pitch black. I remember the boat going up and down. So I was able to see from a little window the motion ups and and down. Those were the longest hours I've ever lived because I would be not asleep. (laughs) It was an adventure for me being 19 years old. But once I looked bad, there was a lot of risk involved. After 36 hours on that cramped boat, Damien followed a guide for 12 days up to the U.S. border to claim political asylum. He knew he might never get to see his parents again after leaving Cuba. But he also knew that he didn't have much choice. I wanted to provide him with the confidence that I was able to be good on my own. Damien applied for asylum a process that takes months. He got a job in a gift shop and then found a gig as a poker dealer. But when the financial crisis hit in 2008, he struggled to keep steady employment. He was on the verge of homelessness. Finally, he heard about an opportunity in a manufacturing plant. First thing, ice cream. (laughs) Who doesn't love ice cream? It was an industrial facility that made large batches of ice cream. And it was finally a job where Damien could use his technical skills. Or so he thought. So I got a job there but not in the maintenance field or technical field, but stacking boxes in the freezer at minus 30 degrees below. It was pretty tough too. (laughs) (laughs) So you're wearing mittens while doing that. I mean, regardless of that, I was excited that I was where I wanted it to be. And true, it was going to take some time to move up, but You know, that didn't stop me to continue learning and to have the best attitude possible. Were there any hard parts of the work that you did in these first few jobs? Any moments that you wanted to give up? Yes. uh, A lot of times I was taken for granted and I got pushed out from projects. I got left out in conversations and because I knew my job and I knew I could do it well. So... I just choose to keep doing it, regardless of the circumstances. Um, That's the way I was raised. Just 
if you can do it and if and it's worth doing do it well you know no matter what other obstacles are in the way or what other people think that approach paid off damian graduated from stacking boxes to running the equipment and then he moved to mechanical support where he led maintenance of equipment he was finally using his technical skills Skills that he had been honing since he was a kid, tuning radios for people who were dreaming of a better life. And then another big breakthrough. A relative reached out who had gotten a job at Google. He referred Damien for a data center job. And Damien went through the interview process, hopeful. I got shut down <laughs> the first time. I was like, well, okay, probably I'm not good enough for Google, you know? <laughs> and he's like, well, I mean, don't look at it that way. You did not good in the interview. Doesn't mean you're not good enough for Google. Let's just wait six months and give it another try. It was hard to get passed over, but giving up was definitely not on Damien's agenda. And I wanted to go at it again just for the challenge of it. I started the interview process and first interview passed, second interview passed, third interview passed. We were like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, super nervous, uh, but I ended up getting the job. Awesome. Wow. I think. The big lesson here is to not give up. The first time I applied to Google even, I think it was for a receptionist position at an office right out of school. Didn't get that, didn't get a call back. And so, you know, it wasn't until I gained more job experience in the industry that eventually I was reached out to by a recruiter and made it later on, but it took me a few cycles as well. So I want to talk a little bit about what you do in your job as a data center technician. Can you walk us through what a normal day looks like? My job specifically, I work for the controls team and we are in charge of the automation and communications of all that process that happens automatically. I'm coming from installation and calibration and now I get to deal with contractors. Hey, let's improve this. We have this idea. Hey, let's make this better. Hey, let me write a new code. So it's, it's awesome. <laughs> Damien had worked in a big Las Vegas casino. He'd seen industrial scale ice cream and titanium manufacturing. But the scale of a data center was entirely different. He remembers in an interview when they gave him a sense of scale for the power systems inside a campus. I was like, what? That's a lot of power. <laughs> <laughs> so imagining all that infrastructure, that electrical infrastructure to provide power to that. And then all those machines needed cooling, imagining all the cooling infrastructure that we needed to have in place to support all that. I mean, you're talking about massive equipment and you're talking about pretty neat operations. So it's a good feeling being part of something that great. Damien has come a long way since that choppy boat ride from Cuba, but he still suffers from a condition that many of us do imposter syndrome. It's that nagging question. Do I really belong here? Like with all that other adversity he's faced, Damien uses it to his benefit. The insecurity is there. Everything is there. (laughs) I get pretty nervous sometimes. I'll admit it. I think that being competitive would overcome my imposter syndrome and, you know, harness that into a force that allow me to keep thriving and keep moving forward. When you say competitive, 
Do you mean competitive with yourself, harnessing that self-motivation that you've always had? Yes. If I do something and I think I can do it better or it could be done better, I want to make that better. If I'm doing an installation and I see that it could be improved, I want to be competitive about it. And next installation will be a lot better, will be 10 times better than the last one. Yeah, competitive with my own outcome. Damien calibrates instruments. He makes machines work better so they can keep the internet running. But it's his personal calibration, the ability to seize opportunity anywhere that also makes data centers run. We are putting a stamp on history. If I can tell my grandkids and my kids that they have this amazing thing called internet and I'm a part of it, it's a good feeling. Damian Diaz is a facilities technician at Google's data center in New Albany, Ohio. If you want to learn more about building your career at a data center, click through the link in the show notes. Where the Internet Lives is produced by Postscript Media in collaboration with Google. You can subscribe to the show on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you access your shows. And please give us a rating if you like the series. I'm Stephanie Wong. Thank you for listening.